the Bible, the most unique book in all of human history. It claims to be divine in origin, and it delivers a message that, if true, affects every human being on the planet Earth, in this life, and in whatever awaits us when this life is over. The Bible is unique in its survival. Over the past 2,000 years, no other book has been subjected to the intense scrutiny that the Bible has endured. Generations of linguists, historians, and archaeologists have explored the details of the Bible's production and tested the accuracy of its transmission to us today. Critics and foes have come and gone. Problems have been raised and solved, and still the Bible stands. Totally alone in the degree of its historical accuracy and reliability. The Bible is also unique in foretelling future events. The Old Testament alone contains over 2,000 specific predictions about people, cities, nations, and empires. Predictions made hundreds of years before being perfectly fulfilled in history. The Bible is unique in its influence. It's been called the fountainhead of Western civilization and is by far the most quoted text in America's founding documents. Millions of men, women, and children from every station and walk of life have felt the liberating, redeeming power of this book of books, and their changed lives have changed the world and the course of history. The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar is your opportunity to hear this unique book, the entire Bible, every year. Now, here's the host of The Bible Live, Soapy Dollar. And here we are, waiting for you to show up. Good evening, everyone. I hope you're having a good Wednesday. I come running on Wednesday evenings from a time with our little church family. We share a meal together on Wednesday evenings and pray together, fellowship, laugh, and sometimes cry. We think about and talk about the world we live in, and we try to view it from God's perspective. Folks from every kind of background, the body of Christ is really a very amazing thing. A lot of people attack the church these days, and there's plenty to be critical of. There's no doubt about it. Nobody pretends that we're anything but sinners saved by grace. I always want to encourage you, do not forsake the gathering of yourselves together with the people of God. You may know the Lord, you may love God, but if you're not actively being a part of a church family, a congregation of people who come together regularly for worship, fellowship, and to do ministry together, to pray for our world and to help out less fortunate folk or other mission projects of some kind, local home missions or even foreign missions helping to send folk to other countries, just like one of our Last night on the program, Jim, his niece is serving in China from out of San Antonio, and that's just a wonderful thing to know. I want to encourage you to be a part of a church family. It's not always easy. Not every church that has a cross on it, as I've said many times before, that doesn't constitute a good, vital, healthy congregation or church. There are lots of good things about a church where they love the Lord, where the Bible is preached and taught where they love each other and where the leadership is a servant leadership who care about their people and pour their lives out and benefit and service to their congregation. If you can find a congregation like that, a sweet congregation, go be a part of it. Contribute to it, and, of course, you'll benefit from it as well. Well, we're going to continue our way through the book of Jeremiah tonight, picking up in chapter 21. But right now, let's go get the second half of Psalm 115, our wisdom and worship segment, how God is thinking about us and caring for us all the time. Psalm 115, 11 through 18. 
All you who fear the Lord, trust the Lord. He is your helper. He is your shield. The Lord remembers us, and He will surely bless us. He will bless the people of Israel and the family of Aaron, the priests. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both great and small. May the Lord richly bless both you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. The heavens belong to the Lord, but He has given the earth to all humanity. The dead cannot sing praises to the Lord, for they have gone into the silence of the grave. But we can praise the Lord both now and forever. Praise the Lord. End of reading, Psalm 115, 11 through 18. This is the Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. He is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of our full and total absolute commitment and trust. The God of the Bible alone is worthy of all of your life, all of your allegiance. That's the God of the Bible. That's the God of Jeremiah. And you can tell often as we read through the scriptures that these prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, others, they have a great vision of God. And that is what carries them through so many of these different experiences. Jeremiah now has been threatened by the folks of his own hometown, Anathoth, a little town outside of Jerusalem, about 10 or 12 miles. They made a great living off of idols, building idols the gold and the tools and so on that it took to make them. So when Jeremiah began to preach against idolatry and false gods, he got into trouble with them for economic reasons. On and on it goes. Religion, the politicians of his country, Jeremiah really took a great amount of persecution, rejection because of his allegiance to God and to teaching and preaching the message of God. And what was that message? Sometimes it was a message of comfort and encouragement to the people of God. That remnant, that small group of people who still loved God and responded to God, they got a message of hope and encouragement and love. Stay in there. Keep trusting God. You're going to be vindicated and you're going to be blessed. But then for others, there was this constant warning, this constant call to repent, to turn back to God. Now tonight, Jeremiah is going to confront the leaders of Judah the king himself and others who have power and authority over him in this world. Courageously, the message for Judah's kings. The Bible Life, Jeremiah 21.1 through 24.10, Jeremiah 21. The Lord spoke through Jeremiah when King Zedekiah sent Pasher, son of Malkijah, and Zephaniah, son of Maaseiah, the priest, to speak with him. They begged Jeremiah, please ask the Lord to help us. King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon has begun his attack on Judah. Perhaps the Lord will be gracious and do a mighty miracle as he has done in the past. Perhaps he will force Nebuchadnezzar to withdraw his armies. Jeremiah replied, Go back to King Zedekiah and tell him, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I will make your weapons useless against the king of Babylon and the Babylonians who are attacking you. Yes, I will bring your enemies right into the heart of this city. I myself will fight against you with great power, for I am very angry. You have made me furious. I will send a terrible plague upon this city, and both people and animals will die. 
And then, says the Lord, even after King Zedekiah, his officials, and everyone else in the city have survived war, famine, and disease, I will hand them over to King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. He will slaughter them all without mercy, pity, or compassion. Tell all the people, this is what the Lord says. Take your choice of life or death. Everyone who stays in Jerusalem will die from war, famine, or disease. But those who go out and surrender to the Babylonians will live. For I have decided to bring disaster and not good upon this city, says the Lord. It will be captured by the king of Babylon, and he will reduce it to ashes. Say to the royal family of Judah, Listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord says to the dynasty of David. Give justice to the people you judge. Help those who have been robbed. Rescue them from their oppressors. Do what is right, or my anger will burn like an unquenchable fire because of all your sins. I will fight against this city of Jerusalem that boasts, We are safe on our mountain. No one can touch us here. And I myself will punish you for your sinfulness, says the Lord. I will light a fire in your forest that will burn up everything around you. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Jeremiah 22. Then the Lord said to me, Go over and speak directly to the king of Judah. Say to him, Listen to this message from the Lord, you king of Judah, sitting on David's throne. Let your officials and your people listen too. This is what the Lord says. Be fair-minded and just. Do what is right. Help those who have been robbed. Rescue them from their oppressors. Quit your evil deeds. Do not mistreat foreigners, orphans, and widows. Stop murdering the innocent. If you obey me, there will always be a descendant of David sitting on the throne here in Jerusalem. The king will ride through the palace gates in chariots and on horses with his parade of officials and subjects. But if you refuse to pay attention to this warning, I swear by my own name, says the Lord, that this palace will become a pile of rubble. Now this is what the Lord says concerning the royal palace. You are as beloved to me as fruitful Gilead and the green forests of Lebanon. But I will destroy you and leave you deserted, with no one living within your walls. I will call for wreckers who will bring out their tools to dismantle you. They will tear out all your fine cedar beams and throw them on the fire. People from many nations will pass by the ruins of this city and say to one another, Why did the Lord destroy such a great city? And the answer will be, Because they violated their covenant with the Lord their God by worshiping other gods. Do not weep for the dead king or mourn his loss. Instead, weep for the captive king being led away for he will never return to see his native land again. For this is what the Lord says about Jehoahaz, who succeeded his father King Josiah and was taken away as a captive. He will never return. He will die in a distant land and never again see his own country. And the Lord says, Destruction is certain for Jehoiakim, who builds his palace with forced labor. By not paying wages, he builds injustice into its walls and oppression into its door frames and ceilings. He says, I will build a magnificent palace with huge rooms and many windows, paneled throughout with fragrant cedar and painted a lovely red. But a beautiful palace does not make a great king. Why did your father Josiah reign so long? Because he was just and right in all his dealings. That is why God blessed him. He made sure that justice and help were given to the poor and needy, and everything went well for him. Isn't that what it means to know me, asked the Lord? But you, you are full of selfish greed and dishonesty. 
You murder the innocent, oppress the poor, and reign ruthlessly. Therefore, this is the king's decree of punishment against King Jehoiakim, who succeeded his father Josiah on the throne. His family will not weep for him when he dies. His subjects will not even care that he is dead. He will be buried like a dead donkey, dragged out of Jerusalem and dumped outside the gate. Weep, for all your allies are gone. Search for them in Lebanon. Shout for them in Bashan. Search for them in the regions east of the river. See, they are all destroyed. Not one is left to help you. When you were prosperous, I warned you, but you replied, Don't bother me. Since childhood you have been that way. You simply will not listen. And now your allies have all disappeared with a puff of wind. All your friends have been taken away as captives. Surely at last you will see your wickedness and be ashamed. It may be nice to live in a beautiful palace lined with lumber from the cedars of Lebanon, but soon you will cry and groan in anguish, anguish like that of a woman about to give birth. And as surely as I live, says the Lord, I will abandon you, Jehoiakim, son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah. Even if you were the signet ring on my right hand, I would pull you off. I will hand you over to those who seek to kill you, of whom you are so desperately afraid. To King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon and the mighty Babylonian army, I will expel you and your mother from this land, and you will die in a foreign country. You will never again return to the land of your desire. Why is this man Jehoiakim like a discarded broken dish? Why are he and his children to be exiled to distant lands? O oh, earth, 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 listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord says. Let the record show that this man Jehoiakim was childless, for none of his children will ever sit on the throne of David to rule in Judah. His life will amount to nothing. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Jeremiah 23. I will send disaster upon the leaders of my people, the shepherds of my sheep, for they have destroyed and scattered the very ones they were expected to care for, says the Lord. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says to these shepherds. Instead of leading my flock to safety, you have deserted them and driven them to destruction. Now I will pour out my judgment on you for the evil you have done to them. But I will gather together the remnant of my flock from wherever I have driven them. I will bring them back into their own fold, and they will be fruitful and increase in number. Then I will appoint responsible shepherds to care for them, and they will never be afraid again. Not a single one of them will be lost or missing, says the Lord. For the time is coming, says the Lord, when I will place a righteous branch on King David's throne. He will be a king who rules with wisdom. He will do what is just and right throughout the land. And this is his name. The Lord is our righteousness. In that day Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. In that day, says the Lord, when people are taking an oath, they will no longer say, as surely as the Lord lives who rescued the people of Israel from the land of Egypt. Instead, they will say, as surely as the Lord lives who brought the people of Israel back to their own land from the land of the north and from all the countries to which he had exiled them. Then they will live in their own land. My heart is broken because of the false prophets, and I tremble uncontrollably. I stagger like a drunkard, like someone overcome by wine, because of the holy words the Lord has spoken against them. For the land is full of adultery, and it lies under a curse. The land itself is in mourning. Its pastures are dried up. For the prophets do evil and abuse their power. 
The priests are like the prophets, all ungodly wicked men. I have seen their despicable acts right here in my own temple, says the Lord. Therefore their paths will be dark and slippery. They will be chased down dark and treacherous trails where they will fall. For I will bring disaster upon them when their time of punishment comes. I, the Lord, have spoken. I saw that the prophets of Samaria were terribly evil, for they prophesied by Baal and led my people of Israel into sin. But now I see that the prophets of Jerusalem are even worse. They commit adultery and they love dishonesty. They encourage those who are doing evil instead of turning them away from their sins. These prophets are as wicked as the people of Sodom and Gomorrah once were. Therefore, this is what the Lord Almighty says concerning the prophets. I will feed them with bitterness and give them poison to drink. For it is because of Jerusalem's prophets that wickedness fills this land. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. This is my warning to my people, says the Lord Almighty. Do not listen to these prophets when they prophesy to you, filling you with futile hopes. They are making up everything they say. They do not speak for the Lord. They keep saying to these rebels who despise my word, Don't worry, the Lord says you will have peace. And to those who stubbornly follow their own evil desires, they say, No harm will come your way. But can you name even one of these prophets who knows the Lord well enough to hear what he is saying? Has even one of them cared enough to listen? Look, the Lord's anger bursts out like a storm, a whirlwind that swirls down on the heads of the wicked. The anger of the Lord will not diminish until it has finished all his plans. In the days to come, you will understand all this very clearly. I have not sent these prophets, yet they claim to speak for me. I have given them no message, yet they prophesy. If they had listened to me, they would have spoken my words and turned my people from their evil ways. Am I a God who is only in one place? asked the Lord. Do you think I cannot see what they are doing? Can anyone hide from me? Am I not everywhere in all the heavens and earth? asked the Lord. I have heard these prophets say, Listen to the dream I had from God last night. And then they proceed to tell lies in my name. How long will this go on? If they are prophets, they are prophets of deceit, inventing everything they say. By telling these false dreams, they are trying to get my people to forget me, just as their ancestors did by worshipping the idols of Baal. Let these false prophets tell their dreams, but let my true messengers faithfully proclaim my every word. There is a difference between chaff and wheat. Does not my word burn like fire, asked the Lord? Is it not like a mighty hammer that smashes rock to pieces? Therefore, says the Lord, I stand against these prophets who get their messages from each other, these smooth-tongued prophets who say this prophecy is from the Lord. Their imaginary dreams are flagrant lies that lead my people into sin. I did not send or appoint them, and they have no message at all for my people, says the Lord. Suppose one of the people or one of the prophets or priests ask you, What prophecy has the Lord burdened you with now? You must reply, You are the burden. The Lord says He will abandon you. If any prophet, priest, or anyone else says, I have a prophecy from the Lord, I will punish that person along with his entire family. You should keep asking each other, What is the Lord's answer? Or, What is the Lord saying? But stop using this phrase, prophecy from the Lord, for people are using it to give authority to their own ideas. 
turning upside down the words of our God, the living God, the Lord Almighty. This is what you should say to the prophets. What is the Lord's answer? Or what is the Lord saying? But suppose they respond, this is a prophecy from the Lord. Then you should say, this is what the Lord says. Because you have used this phrase, prophecy from the Lord, even though I warned you not to use it, I will forget you completely. I will expel you from my presence, along with this city that I gave to you and your ancestors. And I will make you an object of ridicule, and your name will be infamous throughout the ages. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Jeremiah 24. After King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon exiled Jehoiakim, son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, to Babylon, along with the princes of Judah and all the skilled craftsmen, the Lord gave me this vision. I saw two baskets of figs placed in front of the Lord's temple in Jerusalem. One basket was filled with fresh, ripe figs, while the other was filled with figs that were spoiled and could not be eaten. Then the Lord said to me, What do you see, Jeremiah? I replied, Figs, some very good and some very bad. Then the Lord gave me this message. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The good figs represent the exiles I sent from Judah to the land of the Babylonians. I have sent them into captivity for their own good. I will see that they are well treated, and I will bring them back here again. I will build them up and not tear them down. I will plant them and not uproot them. I will give them hearts that will recognize me as the Lord. They will be my people, and I will be their God. For they will return to me wholeheartedly. But the rotten figs, the Lord said, represent King Zedekiah of Judah, his officials, all the people left in Jerusalem, and those who live in Egypt. I will treat them like spoiled figs, too rotten to eat. I will make them an object of horror and evil to every nation on earth. They will be disgraced and mocked, taunted and cursed wherever I send them. I will send war, famine, and disease until they have vanished from the land of Israel, which I gave to them and their ancestors. End of reading, Jeremiah 21.1 through 24.10. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Getting an idea, you're getting a clear sense of what Jeremiah is living here. God has already pronounced judgment on the people of Judah. The city is going to be destroyed. They are to take their medicine, take this discipline as from the Lord, go cooperatively with the authorities from Babylon. For 19 years, they received or experienced a series of invasions and threats from Nebuchadnezzar starting in 605, again in 597, and then in 586, those major invasions. In 586, this follows a 13-month siege on Jerusalem that left the people starved and dying of thirst 
thousands and thousands died in this siege, driven, in fact, to the extreme of cannibalism, eating their own children. This was predicted not only by the prophets themselves, but as far back as Moses, Solomon, and others, they foresaw and they understood that the times in which they lived were very brutal times. They had seen that this kind of suffering was part of life in those days, part of war, but they had not thought it would happen to them. And yet it had been predicted very clearly. It happened twice to them in Jerusalem, once in 586 when Nebuchadnezzar invaded. Again in 70 A.D., Rome, the Caesar of Rome, attacked Jerusalem and destroyed the temple in A.D. 70. Jeremiah had been telling them for so long that this was going to happen and that they should repent and turn to God. And yet until it happened, no one took him seriously. Well, like we begin our reading tonight with Zedekiah, King Zedekiah sends this envoy to speak with Jeremiah, and they want to hear a good word, some good news, a good positive prediction. But they got the exact opposite. They got judgment. I remember 9-11 when America was attacked in New York City and how many people talked about, oh, the great faith of the people of New York City and how they were calling out to God and all this. Maybe the nation in some way calling out to God. But it didn't last long, does it? There was no repentance involved from the wicked practices, from the wicked policies of our society, from these terrible sins. We want to use God as disaster relief or fire insurance. We're not interested in following him and trusting him when times are good. This is exactly what the people were going through at that time. In chapter 22, it's laid out how Josiah's son was Jehoahaz. He reigned for three months, and then he was taken away to Egypt by King Necho, the pharaoh of Egypt, who had been responsible for the death of Josiah, his father. Then Jehoiakim came to the throne. Jehoiakim was evil from the very beginning. He is another son of Josiah, but he was very interested in money and prosperity. A child can inherit the parent's money, but he cannot inherit the parent's faith. Each and every individual has to decide for themselves what place they will give God in their life. Then Jehoiakim's son, Jehoiakim, came after him. Jehoiakim was the last of the lineage of David, but he was taken away Zedekiah was placed on the throne and died before Jehoiakim. There's all kind of a relational thing there. The interesting thing about chapter 23 is this messianic promise right in the middle of it. The time is coming when I will raise up a righteous descendant from King David's lineage, the Messiah, the Savior, the righteous and godly leader of the nation. Godly leaders, those of us in leadership, whether it's in the church or in the nation, we will be held responsible. Well, maybe you've been confused a little bit as we move through this passage. Sometimes there was this message of blessing and hope and encouragement, and other times there was warning and judgment and condemnation. Well, this good and bad figs, that kind of tells the story. The fresh, ripe figs represented the exiles to Babylon, not because they themselves are good, but because their hearts would respond to God. He would preserve them and bring them back to the land better than ever. But the bad, rotten figs represented those who remained in Judah or ran away to Egypt. Those people may have arrogantly or religiously believed that they would be blessed if they just stayed in the land or in Jerusalem or escaped to Egypt. But the opposite was true. God was going to use the captivity to refine the exiles and bring, make their hearts tender toward Him. If you're facing trouble, ask God to help you grow in the midst of that struggle, grow stronger for Him. If things are going your way, ask God to help you use your prosperity for His glory. See you next time. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your financial support is needed. 
Please mail your tax-deductible gift to The Bible Live, Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live, P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas, 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Don't forget, join us each weekday for The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Start today, and in one year's time, we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's Word.